Or Please leave a message after the tone. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Ukraine is the second largest country in Europe, after Russia that is, and Crimea is a peninsula region. The fertile central plateau of Ukraine is among the world's greatest producers of wheat and barley. Also, in the East Donetsk Basin is one of the world's greatest industrial powerhouses. In 1918, following the Russian Revolution, Ukraine declared independence and was invaded by the Red Army. A unified independent Ukraine was once more proclaimed. The Red Army invaded again, this time with greater success. In 1921, Ukraine was seceded to Poland, and in 1922, Ukraine became a constituent republic of the Soviet Union. In the 1930s, Stalin's so autocratic, excuse me, autocratic agricultural collectivization caused seven and a half million Ukrainians to die of famine. After 1945, all Ukrainian land was unified into a single Soviet republic. In 1954, the Crimea was annexed to the Ukraine. Ukraine became one of the most powerful republics of the Soviet Union, contributing 30% of total Soviet industrial output. After a unilateral declaration of sovereignty in 1990, Ukraine proclaimed its independence in August of 1991. And now, Russia claims it again. What a history. Back and forth, back and forth. And quite frankly, we only gave a distillation of the history of Ukraine. Today we talk about Ukraine again. We talk about Vladimir Putin and Russia again. We take a closer look at what's the dynamics that are taking place there in Ukraine and in that part of the world. And I'm glad that you joined us. His conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. When we look at what is developing there in Ukraine, one of the things that uh, we are focusing on, because it's affecting our prices at the gas pump, has to do with oil and gas. Most recently, yesterday, oil and gas prices spiked to $139 a barrel on talks about Russian, the Russian oil ban and the Iranian deal. The highest level since 2008, when Barack Obama was elected. On Monday, today, amid market supply fears as the United States and European allies considered banning Russian oil imports and prospects for a swift return of Iranian crude, to global markets receded. That's where we are. Global oil prices have spiked more than 60% since the start of 2022, along with other commodities, that is. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said on Sunday, the United States and European allies were exploring banning imports 
of Russian oil, why the White House was coordinating with congressional committees to move forward with a U.S. ban. Where is it going to go? Will, in fact, the United States ban Russian oil? Up until today, it appears that the current president of the United States, Mr. Biden, had determined that, in fact, we would not. So, Biden refuses to stop buying Putin's oil. That came out in an article just yesterday. Then today, another article came out. But before it did, a second article came out, Biden choosing silly climate fantasies over energy independence. In a bid to stop buying oil from Russia and put the financial squeeze on President Vladimir Putin over his war in Ukraine, the United States has begun pressuring other oil-rich nations to increase their output. But experts say President Joe Biden is refusing to consider a better solution that doesn't involve pleading with other world leaders, in other words, a return to domestic oil production. He doesn't want to do that. Why doesn't Mr. Biden want to return to domestic oil production? Because he's been convinced by men such as John Kerry and Pete Buttigieg that indeed that's just a short-term response. We need to look at the long term. In other words, we need to look at climate change. Forget about the price of gas at the pump. Forget about the fact that it may be boiling over in so many people's uh, conversation. Forget about all of that. Let's just consider, well, let's just consider climate change. Well, Can you just consider climate change if the price of gas goes up to $7 a gallon, as it has in California? All of these are considerations that we need to take very, very careful look at. Now, today on Viewpoint, we are set to be joined by a a Polish pastor who is involved with the Ukrainian congregations in the United States. And uh, when I attempted to contact him... Uh, we were unable to make the contact, but he is now calling on my cell phone. So I need to uh, uh, have you call me on a different line, Wally. And if you can write that down so it will go directly into our broadcast uh, line. That number is 804-754-1988. It's 804-754-1988. And we'll bring you on the program through that number then all right <clears throat> it's amazing what we can do when we have a number of different phone connections is biden choosing a silly climate fantasy over energy independence well it depends on your viewpoint i suppose is it a silly climate fantasy in addition to that we find that globalists are backing ukraine For instance, George Soros is backing Ukraine. Why would a globalist be backing Ukraine? We talked about that the other day. Why, indeed, would other globalists, such as Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, why would he be supporting Ukraine? Well, friends, it actually goes along with their desire to set up a European 
a one-world government against China and Russia. It's not really that much of a mystery. That's the reason why. So there are so many things that are going on here, but in order to understand a little bit more deeply from the inside out, I have invited a, uh, a Polish pastor of Ukrainian folk. He is one of many pastors in the uh, Slavic community who is joining us today to talk about his viewpoint concerning Ukraine, concerning the dynamics of what are taking place there, concerning the matter of uh, Vladimir Putin and who he really is. When we get back from this break, he will be joining us. We will not be identifying him by name because it is necessary that they protect their security. But a, a report came from the Lithuanian president today. Vladimir Putin will stop, will not stop in Ukraine. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Report from Israel National News came in yesterday. Tyranny's new world order of fear. Official Washington and the media have dismissed Moscow's nuclear threats as bluster and saber-rattling. According to this report, they should think again. In other words, the viewpoint of this writer is that Vladimir Putin is not to be tested or messed with. He is dead, bang, serious. Another, Andrei Ivanov says Putin is calculated and is not losing his mind. Media, if not U.S. intelligence officials, are suggesting that Russia's Vladimir Putin is acting irrationally because he's in a cognitive decline, and they're underestimating the danger former Putin economic advisor uh, Andrei Ilyanov, I guess that's how you pronounce it, uh, has actually said that is absolutely not true. He said Putin is a persistent, calculated man who is determined to take on Ukraine, Europe, and even the United States. Wow. That's tough talk for troubled times, friends. And with that, we bring on a Polish pastor of, uh, a, within a large Ukrainian group, uh, many pastors, large Ukrainian gatherings in this country. And, uh, Pastor, it's good to have you on the program. Are you there? Yes. All right. It's good to have you on the program. And, uh, you are not Ukrainian. You're Polish. Uh, how, when did you leave Poland? Well, I left Poland. I don't want to give specific date. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give uh, any, leave any trail, but it's uh, I would say approximately forty years ago. Approximately forty years ago, yes. and Poland was part of the USSR, the Soviet Union, was it not? That is correct. We were under the dominance of Soviet Union as well as the whole Eastern Europe. And uh, 
how could could you describe for us because it's very hard for I think a lot of Western uh, folk, Americans in particular, to comprehend what it would be like to be under uh, Soviet domination. Help us understand that. Uh, I'm going to try and make it in a few words, but the question like this cannot be answered in in five minutes. But I'm going to make it very well, quick. You've got you've got the time, so uh, just yeah. take your time. In other words, uh, to be under Soviet domination, that means uh, to be under communism, and people are afraid to say anything even to your neighbor. Because everything is the way communism works. They stir up the people, and they even go to your neighbor and say, hey, uh, watch this guy for us, because he's he's shaky. We don't know what he's up to. In other words, uh, they're using fear to yes. dominate uh, people yes. so there actually is no, yes. not even a feeling of freedom. Yeah. So when they came and told me about my neighbor, then they went to my neighbor and told him on me. And they said, hey, watch him, because we don't know what his guy is up to. So they stirred up people if I can't each other, so there's no trust. All right. So trust becomes a casualty uh, amid communism and uh, the Soviet ideology. But people yes. would say, people would say today, well... Uh, the Soviet Union fell in 1990-91. The wall there in Berlin came down. Mm -hmm. And from that time, then Russia became separated from all of the other uh, republics uh, Mm -hmm. of of the Soviet Union. And therefore, we don't have to deal with communist thinking anymore from Russia. What say you? I think that they never stopped. There has been... Um, they've been continued the ideology, but they were doing it very cleverly, uh, and they're pursuing that. And through the uh, uh, universities, organizations, contact schools, mm-hmm. they're pursuing that. The Russia will never give up the ideology, and we have the proof today. Looking at Mr. Putin. All right, what is it about about Vladimir Putin that uh, should grab our attention? People are giving so many different opinions, so many different viewpoints coming through Europe, coming through America, uh, various pundits and so on. Uh, what should we be looking at concerning Vladimir Putin? Well, he's an individual, but he's got our people with him that surrounding him and mm-hmm. his advisors that are their ideology is it's pro. I would not say communism, but that system is still in him. And as far as I remember, Russia they never agree on anything, not only with the United States. Anybody decides something that is not of their persuasion, they're going to say, no, we disagree. Mm-hmm. Anything. I mean, go to the history. They're always against countries that decide something for something good. They're always against that. All right. Now, you're a, a Slav, that S-L-A-V, uh, a Slavic people. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you help us to understand who the Slavic people really are? Well, Slavic people, I'm, I'm talking those that came to the country, which is a lot of them since 1988, mm-hmm. if I remember, when immigration started coming in. Mm-hmm. Why these people left Ukraine and Russia and Belarus? Why they left the United States? Why leaving homes behind? Why leaving everything behind? Their language, even some loved ones. They were sick of the system. When they saw the window of opportunity, they took advantage of it, and they ran to the West. They, mm. they were sick of the system. Yeah. Okay, but who are Slavic people? 
Because a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know what that means. Well, Slavic, Slavic people are those that I would consider them of, of most of Eastern Europe. Okay. Most of Eastern Europe consider themselves as Slavic people. All right. Would you consider Hungarian Slavic people? I would say yes. Okay. So Eastern Europe Slavic people, and yes. they were the ones that were brought into the uh, Soviet Union. I, yes. I will never forget, Pastor, when I was about 10 years of age, listening on the radio to the assault by Russia upon Hungary. It twisted my own mind and heart at that time. I was so grieved for the Hungarian people and what happened to them. What happened to them is almost identical to what's happening to Ukraine today. Well, uh, let me give another example. In 1967, 1967, by my home where I live, the tanks and trucks for miles and miles were going probably, I would say, 500 meters from my house or less, 400 meters from my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were marching on Czechoslovakia at that point, if you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, because Czechoslovakia revolted against the Soviet system, and they sent all the military, and they were going right by my house. At that time, I was like uh, 17, 18 years old. I remember very well. Mm. So they squeezed the Czechoslovakia down uh, by force, and uh, they had to surrender. All right, so if if this belief system, political uh, belief system of Russia and the Soviet Union and communism and so on was so wonderful, you would think that people would be running toward it. Instead, they're running away from it and have to be forced into it. As a matter of fact... Me leaving my country in 1975, which was communist, also under influence of uh, Soviet Union, not today anymore, mm-hmm. but at that time, I could not leave, even visit the United States. I could not even get a passport. They won't let you go. In the West, our friends here in the West, okay, they do not understand the people in the West. What do you mean I can't go where I want? You just don't go. They won't let you go. Mm-hmm. That's one other example. So they not give you the passport because they know if you go, you'll never come back because you're going to see better life. Mm. All right. So let's talk about Ukraine. Okay. Uh, you have dealt with uh, and are continuing to deal with a wide exposure to Ukrainian people that fled uh, Ukraine and the Soviet Union, came to this country, and what did they experience? You've heard their stories. What did they experience there in Ukraine before they fled? Well, a lot of them experienced, if not them, then their fathers, harassment, imprisonment, uh, prosecution against Christianity, mm-hmm. severe Christian punishment, um, stiff fines for, let's say, thousands of, of uh, money. Uh, if you get together for church service, police comes, and, and you, whoever home that, 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 that is, they, they put a heavy fine on you, uh, and, and even they arrest people because of that. And those people were innocent. They were just came together to worship, to sing songs, to read the Scripture. Nothing wrong with that. But no, they were considered enemies of the, of the state. My understanding, uh, Pastor, is that uh, about 78% of the Ukrainians uh, claim to be uh, Christians. 
uh, perhaps not uh, born again as we think of it, but they are uh, they claim to be Christians uh, and uh, Russian Orthodox. Is that true? That's correct. That is correct. All right. So how when when they come to this country, uh, do they continue with their Russian Orthodox faith? Or do they uh, tend to adopt a more evangelical type of, uh, of Christian faith? See, the immigration that started in 1988, that the Congress, United States Congress, opened certain amount of thousands of quota of, of Russian Ukraine to come. Mm-hmm. First, they were open to evangelical Christians. Because okay. they knew that they were persecuted, separated from the families, harassed. Let's say if you are Christian, you cannot study in university, you cannot hold a good job because you're Christian, you are harassed by the government. Mm-hmm. So they, they, this big story, so they got sick of the government, they got tired of it, so they left the country, they said enough is enough. All right, so when the Ukrainians left from 1988 onward and came yes. to this country, yes. uh, how did their lives change? Uh, they first of all, they, there's a freedom of worship. They they appreciate what this country has provided for them. Mm-hmm. Freedom of worship. That's number one. They want their and their children to go to church, to believe in God, to be good people, to be good influence to the to the community, and on and on. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, as a matter of fact, they by today, which is thirty thirty five years, a lot of them uh, are already educated. They having good jobs. They pay taxes. Uh, in our town where I live, the city loved them. They bought the old homes. There were they 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 they, they bought the old homes that had plywood on the windows. They bought these homes. They renovate them and they make them look like a doll. The town looks it's very happy mm. because oh. they just improve things. All right. So as they came here some thirty some years ago and uh, had young children or have had young children since they came to the United States. Yes. What what has been their concern uh, here in the United States? The concern of their of their last few years is that that they see in thirty five years how much our United States, our country that we love so much, has changed to the negative. In what way? I'm going to say um, they they witness how the. Uh, the government goes uh, against the Ten Commandments as I take it down. Mm-hmm. They go against the God. In the school, you cannot, you cannot say nothing about God, about the Bible. They could not believe it. They were very disappointed after so many years, and they says, did we come to the right country? they very disappointed because yeah. they were looking up, for, up to it and forward to be in the United States as a Christian country that they heard about. And yet what's being promoted here is... Well, if we could just get the people into a democracy, then everything would be wonderful and everything would be blissful and we would have freedom and uh, religious freedom and so on. But your people have found that ain't necessarily so. That's correct. That is correct. There's a lot of, and I'm talking, I'm talking from East Coast to West Coast, hundreds of thousands of Russian, Ukraine, and Belarusian immigration. They're very disappointed. I know them from e, from here to the West Coast. Mm. And uh, there are a lot of them, aren't there? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, I know some churches, uh, for example, that are 
there are not 50 people, there are 3,500, a lot of young couples, a lot of children, a lot of uh, mid-age uh, educated people. They're very disappointed what they see, how far we came down as far as freedom of religious is concerned. So how is it that the Ukrainians that have come here now are looking at what the dynamics of what are taking place there uh, today with Russians' uh, assault on Ukraine? How are they looking at that? They, they know uh, Vladimir Putin. They know the government, how wicked it is. And they know that you cannot believe... Well, I'm not talking Russian people, because we will not be unfair. There's a lot of Russian people that are normal people are fair. Mm-hmm. They disagree with Putin, but they're afraid to speak in Russia, because they, they, they're going to round them up and put them in jail. Well, they've already rounded up at least 8,000. There you go. Uh, there so you go. we're going to pick so up after this break and yeah. uh, pick up more of this. I appreciate your hanging in there with us. I think it's yeah. very important for us to understand uh, from the inside out uh, what we're really dealing with here. Friends, you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. He's very concentrated. He's very calculated. He's very precise. He knows what he wants, and he's trying to implement his policy and achieve his goal. He's very, very persistent in getting what he wants. The intelligence suggesting that Vladimir Putin was ill or in mental decline is a clear distraction. Another case of misinformation in the U.S. intelligence community. Those words, friends, are coming from a very interesting source. Former Putin economic advisor. The former Putin economic advisor saying Vladimir Putin is not acting irrationally. He's not in cognitive decline. He is very concentrated, very calculated, very precise and clever, and he will get what he wants. Though, he says, diplomacy is a waste of time. He is waging a what he calls a hardware war, And the only way it can be stopped is by a hardware response. There's no other way. Now, that's pretty strong language. Uh, Knowing what you know about Vladimir Putin and Russian leadership, Pastor, uh, how would you respond to uh, that observation? I agree with 100%, and I'm going to support it and repeat it. Diplomacy is a waste of time. Mm. 
in the West, we have this idea that uh, everybody thinks the way we do, that in the West, we have a certain value of human life. But from the uh, Soviet viewpoint, or a man who was a KGB agent with the Soviet Union, Vladimir Putin, and communist China, they do not value human life the way we do. What they value is the power and glory of the state, isn't it? That is correct. And the state and the agenda that they have. They they don't respect the people, people opinion. They rule with iron fist. And that's the way it was always with communism for years and years. All right. So when a report comes from Israel National News uh, today, or yesterday actually, mm-hmm. tyranny's new world order of fear, uh, and the and the the author is saying that uh, Moscow's nuclear threats must not be taken as bluster and sable rattling. They should be taken seriously. Do you agree? I agree because he's unpredictable. Although he may use the fear tactics, because he also knows that if he used nuclear uh, uh, armament or used that, that he realized that other countries have that as well. All right. So when you consider that uh, Vladimir Putin and Russia actually financed Iran's nuclear Boucher reactor and has provided much of the technological support uh, historically with Iran's nuclear program, what would, what would be your viewpoint as to the Biden administration's efforts to try to work out some sort of a nice deal with Iran? Biden is unable to make any deals. He's incompetent. I understand communism. They hundred times beat him with, with their cleverness. He cannot deal with them. He doesn't understand the way they think, how deceiving they are. They say one thing, but they do another thing. He doesn't have it together. Well, that's exactly what Islam does as well. Yes, because I remember President Reagan, that's the only guy that stood up and says, we're going to answer to them with the power. There's no other language they understand. All right. When the Lithuanian president today warned our national security advisor to the president, Mr. Blinken, uh, that Putin will not stop in Ukraine. What is your viewpoint on that? Do you think Putin will stop with Ukraine? Well, here's what I think. I think, but that's only my private talk. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. But I say Lithuania and those little countries, Latvia, Lithuania, around there, he could still there. But as far as Poland... I'm putting big question mark because they are already in NATO, and NATO is saying that they draw the line right there. However, mm-hmm. there's no guarantee, but they said we draw the line right there. He cannot get even one inch of the NATO territory. Well, there remains to be seen. Nobody knows that, but good Lord. Well, it's interesting, though, that uh, today the president of Hungary has said, we are not going to uh, provide arms to Ukraine because we need them for ourselves because we the the invasion by Russia is coming way too close to our own border. How yeah, do you respond? Afraid, they, uh, 
shock. They are afraid because they used to be under Russian dominance. They know what that is. So they are afraid. I understand that. They are afraid of this. Mm-hmm. They are scared, and we need to say that. They yeah. very little countries. They need to protect themselves. I get it. And in this situation, I don't trust Putin. I know. I know. I understand the system. Like I say, and and the government, Russian government, very wicked, wicked policies and very deceiving. As long as I know, they've been always lying on the world stage. All right. So let's look on a on a sort of a positive aspect to this. Uh. There's a great deal of human suffering that's taking place. Uh, as of today, we're, we hear that 1.7 million Ukrainians have fled Ukraine. Uh, in many respects, they don't know where they're going. They're just going. They're going to land somewhere. Maybe it's in Moldova. Maybe it's in uh, Poland. Who knows where it's going to be? Uh, they're scared out of their minds. What, if anything, are you and your people uh, from coast to coast here, Ukrainians and Slavs, what are you able to do to assist in this, and what are you doing? Well, uh, first of all, uh, we have very limited access because Russia is surrounded from three sides, as you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Poland, board, Polish border, and I believe another little country on the side have access. I think Moldova. Uh, there's... But Polish borders, it's, it's the bigger area where they running to the west because they know, many of those know already that Poland became democratic and a NATO. They're running for freedom because that's the only corridor they have. Right. Uh, now, our people here in the United States, a lot of churches, Russian, Ukrainian churches from here to west coast, organizing humanitarian aid. Let's say our church, uh, we sent before yesterday uh, a a big um, a container, we call it. They're huge. They've got to go on a ship. A container of clothing, medicine, food, uh, whatever is necessary. We, we sent the one already, and next one is coming tomorrow. After tomorrow, we're sending it as well. How we send it? We send it to New Jersey. From New Jersey, it goes to Poland. And in Poland, we already have connections in Ukraine with Christian people. They have trucking companies. They're going to come pick them up and distribute into the areas where it's most needed. Mm. Now, to get to Kiev from some of the Ukrainian area, let's say one pastor said to us, takes me three hours to get to Kiev. But now it takes him eight hours. He's got to find a safe route to deliver bread right. and deliver the goods. So mm. they're they putting themselves in harm's way to, uh, to help people. Another instance is we got information just two days ago that there's a bakery in the West Ukraine, and they ran out of resources, and the owner of the baker is a Christian. He says, I have a 21 ton of flour to bake a bread. We run out of resources. How much that will cost? He says, $9,500. We says, we'll cover that. Mm. When we calculate it here, the 21 ton of flour will cost us in the United States 23000 instead of 9500 Interesting. So we paid for it in order to supply the bread into the areas that are most needed. I'm just talking about our church, but there's hundreds of other churches that are providing the help through trusted connections Mm. to give supplies and help to those that are in need. Is there fear that uh, there would be retribution by Vladimir Putin toward uh, these Ukrainian-Russian churches in this country? I don't think so, but we know one thing that 
ever since immigration came, 88, 90, 99, 90, in 92, I've heard from um, uh, trusted sources that with this immigration, they also uh, got some people here that work uh, for the for the intelligence system, Russian intelligence system. Mm. They work uh, not only to get information, but work to disorganize churches. So they're infiltrating the churches. Of course. And and it's been like this. We know that. We sit quiet, but we know that. Uh, That must, uh, does that intimidate you from uh, carrying the message? If we don't know who they are, then we just continue with our worship. I mean, Mm -hmm. I hope we don't have nobody like that in our church, I hope. But there's definitely, I've seen different things will take place. And and, uh, let's say, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, they were talking on, on uh, pastors' conferences that we know that there's some people have been sent here uh, to, in, to to be among the churches and to try find out whatever they can and, and make uh, make negative impression, make problems within the churches, for instance, because if there's no unity, there's no strength. True. Strength is in unity. That's right. All right. Yeah. So, so what would you say uh, as a Slavic leader? who has been there, done that, experienced the horror of uh, communism and uh, the Soviet oppression and the the mindset that Vladimir Putin has, what would you say to our current leadership in this country? If they could only listen, we would. there's a lot of smart individuals within church leadership and in this country from this coast to that coast, if they could only listen, we would give them a lot of advice that that uh, FBI or CIA is unable to give it to them. Yeah. We would give them what to do and how to behave in order to to uh, deal with them much better and much easier. But we have no access. Nobody asks us questions. And what is your thought concerning Mr. Zelensky, uh, the uh, president of, uh, of Ukraine today? Well, I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll Again, there's people that criticize him. There's people talk about all kinds. You know, it's easy to talk and criticize, but it being his skin, I wouldn't want to be the one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll be back after this break. Uh, are you able to hang in there with us? Thank you. All right. Thank you. We'll be right back after this, friends. You're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny. You're hearing some very inside information here today. A viewpoint that it's hard to get in this country. I hope it's valuable to you. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. 
Again, my friends, you're listening to Viewpoint. Today we're hearing the viewpoint of a Slavic pastor who has for many, many years devoted himself to the Slavic people, whether they be Russian, whether they be uh, Polish, whether they be Ukrainian, and uh, a large percentage of them are Ukrainian. So he has an inside understanding of where they're coming from and where they are today and how they think concerning the developments in Ukraine and Russia. I have in front of me an article that came out uh, yesterday from Israel National News called Tyranny's New World Order of Fear. In this article, uh, there was a quote from Machiavelli, uh, you may remember that famous name, who said, it is much safer to be feared than loved. Well, that seems to be Vladimir Putin's motto. It is much safer to be feared than loved. Unfortunately, Mr. Biden wants to be loved rather than feared. And so we have a problem. According to this report from Israel National News, no matter how costly to Russia its invasion may prove, Ukraine is a disaster for U.S. superpower credibility. It makes the U.S. look craven and weak before the entire world. Even if Russia is defeated by Ukraine, which seems unlikely, the U.S. will lose the superpower credibility. My question is, Pastor, how do you respond to that? Uh, or is I, that beyond your pay grade? No, no, I think I think you have a very, a very good point. Uh at this point, I feel that they are, I'm talking leadership, mm-hmm. United States leadership, uh, foreign policy, very weak. Those people that uh, uh, do foreign policy in the White House, they are very weak on politics. They have no idea who they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. That's very strong statement, and I'm supporting this. Yeah. Very, very weak. You need strong Men and women that understand the political system and the system, especially abroad, the, the, the Eastern system, they need to understand the culture, the politics, in order to stand up. Because they are, I, when I watch it, I see they, they have no idea who they're dealing with. All right. Let's, let's uh, shift it just a little bit here and tweak it toward biblical prophecy. Uh, there are those who believe, and I actually personally believe, that what is taking place here with Russia's attack on Ukraine is actually precipitating the an, a, a significant part of biblical prophecy, which is the uh, resurrection of the ancient Roman Empire, which is the Western world. And uh, so what is happening here is Vladimir Putin... Uh, perhaps unsuspectingly to him, is actually reinforcing the very problem that he's trying to rectify. And uh, he's actually driving the Western world into one another's arms to solidify the resurrecting Roman Empire and a one-world global order. Can you respond to that? Well, I, I do believe the biblical prophecy goes probably far much far beyond that. Mm-hmm. Because Vladimir Putin now only fights Ukraine. Look what's happening in the Middle East. How strong foothold he's holding there, what kind of influence he's, he's, he has there, and what he's That's doing. That's true. 
with Syria? Yep. Absolutely. The northern war, Israel is aware of the northern war that is coming from the north. They well aware of that. All right. So and, when when the Bible talks about the power of the north, from your viewpoint as a pastor, you believe that that is the shall we say the Russian Confederation, so to speak. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. All right. Well, this is very fascinating. Let's uh, let's talk about what uh, you believe that those of us who are not Ukrainian, who are not Slavic, who do not have that background, mm-hmm. how should we be responding to this? Uh, can you be more specific? Responding to the situation or yeah. to Ukraine? Or Re- to responding to uh, Ukraine, responding to the situation. Uh, I'm giving you free reign to uh, to speak into that uh, yeah. issue. First of all, if you want to have a good uh, orientation of the whole situation, I would limit myself from media, which is uh, misleading the people. Mm-hmm. They're not giving exact information. All right. So need- don't yeah. don't accept what you're hearing from CNN, from from uh, the White House, from. No. I, I, I agree. I says, no, I don't believe them. They may say something here and there, show you a few pictures, but they have a very weak orientation about uh, what Putin will is all about, what he's trying to do. And uh, by the they way, have- I would include Fox News in that. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I do not believe that they understand or are willing to communicate real truth on this issue. They don't. Chuck, they don't, because, again... Again, the people that grew up in this country, they're so naive. You could trick them so easy. That's what worries me. (laughs) Okay. Naive, being tricked. So as professing Christians in this country, what can or should we do? Obviously, we should pray, and many people are praying. Uh, Anything else that we should be doing? Well, the praying is the right thing to do, uh, correct. I would um, uh, I would participate in trustworthy humanitarian aid because we need to help our fellow brothers. We need to help them somehow. Mm-hmm. So praying is one thing. The action is another thing. All right. And how okay. could we do that? Because you have connections with uh, uh, the whole Slavic area and uh, Ukrainian uh, connections, but most of us don't have that. Well, what I would look is some uh, outreach uh, organization, Christian organization that are here in the West. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're opening up uh, uh, that they're going to participate in it as well. But I would not do without uh, connection to the Slavic people because they know the tricks and they, and they know the do's and don'ts. Mm. Because without that, we could make some errors. Yeah. Okay, so that's why I suggest to keep in touch with good organized missionary, uh, I would say, uh, organization, Christian organization, mm-hmm. that, that are trustworthy, and through them we could continue to help our brothers and sisters abroad. Mm. Now, are there any in your broader congregational connections uh, that have uh, relatives that have been caught in this Russian squeeze? Oh, yes, absolutely. I just talked to a young woman today. She's a, she's a young mother with three children. And she says, my my mom lives alone, and she lives uh, not too far from from the 
northern area of Kiev where the affected area is. Mm-hmm. She says the bridges are bombed. She cannot leave nowhere. Mm-hmm. They won't let people go out. Mm-hmm. They won't let them leave to go toward west or toward Poland. Mm-hmm. Okay? And she says, I'm frightened. I don't know what to do. To contact them, they could still call, but a lot of towers are knocked down. Yeah. Communication systems are knocked down. Bridges are They've been bombed, so they're broken. So it's 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 very panicky situation there. People are scared. Many of them sitting in the basements. They don't know what to do. And there's no food and water. They're running out of that. So we're trying to shift as much as we can, going around and and bring it to them. What these people are doing, the Christians, people that I know or I'm dealing with, let's say they take a truck, you know, like a sprinter truck, sprinter, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what that is? Right. They take a full of bread. They leave the bread and they load it with people and sneak them into 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 Western Ukraine. Mm. Okay, um, back in the 1930s, uh, Stalin Joseph Stalin starved Ukraine yes. and resulted in about seven and a half million people starved yes. there in Ukraine. Yes. Do you see that? same kind of attitude being carried on by Vladimir Putin today? I don't think he's going to starve them, but the, his political is to isolate them from the world, mm-hmm. and they will have no other choice but look up to him. All right. And do you think that uh, uh, Ukraine is the end goal for him, or do you think that's just the beginning? I think there remains to be seen because for now he's got a little bit to go yet. He's got some resistance right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of work to do. But I think what he's thinking, uh, I think he wants to take a bigger chunk of the Ukraine to belong to Russia, like Crimea he did, for example. Right. But there's a big question if he's not going to go further and try to get an entire Ukraine. But so far he has, has some resistance. I don't know what he's going to do. All right. Let's take another diversion here. Uh, Going back about 1,500 years, there is a Russian prophecy that uh, Russia is the third Rome and there will never be another. It is an amazing prophecy that has sort of uh, uh, behind the scenes caught the, the character of the Russian people and driven them to a vision of Russian glory. Uh, to what extent do you see that being operative here? Um, I, I look at Russia more, perhaps you could be right, but what I'm looking at him as Ezekiel prophesying in the 38th chapter, I'm looking at them more like a power that comes from the north uh-huh. to start the trouble in the Middle East, because according to the scripture, the problem will start in the Middle East, not only Ukraine. Yeah. The goal is to go there. That's where right. the trouble is going to start. Yeah. Well, I agree with that, and uh, it's an amazing situation. Uh, it's hard for us as human beings to comprehend that God may actually be in all of this and may be bringing about the Good fulfillment point. of biblical prophecy in yes. ways that uh, we would never suspect. And yes. that's what I think is happening. Yes. And may I say a couple other thoughts? Go ahead. Um, I think that this is a wake-up call for entire Western civilization, including us living here. Mm-hmm. It's a wake-up call 
to get serious with God. We have no time to play religion. There's no time for that. That's exactly the message. Yeah. That's exactly the message. It's not about all the who, what, where, and uh, all those questions. It's why and now what do we do, seeing that this is the way it is, now how should we then live? Uh, the way the way we see it uh, uh, that people people need to realize that we got far away from God. We play religion. We're not serious with God. We go to church once a week. We think we're very good Christians. Mm-hmm. Far from truth. We need to live with the Lord every day. We need to be faithful. We need to be Christians by name. We need to be we need to be holy. We need to be honest. We need to live for God. Yeah. Because if not, then then some God knows how to. Uh, God, God, excuse me. God knows how to tighten the knot and make <laughs> things work His way. That's exactly right. So uh, a plea is going out now. This is what this program is all about. It's not just about information. It's about mm-hmm. transformation. It's about preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. And you have brought that message right now. It's people get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon will be coming home. We don't know exactly how long, we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the season, and do you believe this is the season, Pastor? I believe that's the beginning of things, what we see, on the base of the Scriptures. Yeah. All right. Now, friends, uh, by the way, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join with us here. I think it's been instructive, uh, very helpful. Appreciate your insights and uh, we will be praying for the Ukrainian people. We'll be praying for your efforts there uh, to provide uh, help, humanitarian help, and so on. But ultimately, we need to turn our hearts to the Lord. Now, friends, uh, in, in case you have missed it, I want to urge you to get a copy of my uh, latest book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. You see, that he is coming. He is going to be coming, and he's going to be coming before Christ is going to come. And if you think things are tough now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Get a copy of the book, $23, $22. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. God bless. Be a blessing. And let's be the people that God has called us to be, in spirit and in truth. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.